notice is that uh, what the, the teacher is going to do now as we are going to begin in Ecclesiastes 9 is see how the, the author is, is widening down and he's going to uh, summarize some of the things that we have learned and some of those summary things we will just uh, point out and hit at and move on and talk about some of the new things that he brings up. But remember, his, his overall scheme has been to, to point out that things in life always seem better of what you can't attain. That uh, the grass will be greener on the other side. If you only had uh, one other thing in your life, then that's often what we think would bring us true satisfaction and real happiness. And here is the, the teacher in Ecclesiastes warning us that that's just simply not the case and the need to enjoy your life now. I summarize chapter 9 with this phrase, that it is really, he's telling us to have a blast while you last. And that's really just what it's all about in this chapter. He's going to tell you, your life's short, and because of that, you better live life to the fullest. Understand that you're not going to be here as long as you think. And so, open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes 9, and and notice uh, what he begins with here in verse 2. Everything is the same for everyone. There is one fate for the righteous and the wicked, for the good and the bad, for the clean and the unclean, and for the one who sacrifices and the one who does not sacrifice. As it is for the good, so it is for the sinner. As for the one who takes an oath, so for the one who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. There is one fate for everyone. In addition, the hearts of people are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. After that, they go to the dead. And he just kind of goes on here over the next few verses and he he pretty well just lays out the absolute certainty of death. And the reason I think that's interesting that he puts this point again here is because if you remember what we talked about last week, he talked about the frustration and despair that we often come to because we see the righteous suffering and going through things that we think they shouldn't go through, and we see the wicked prosper, and we think that's not fair, and we see all of these injustices that go on, that you can live your life righteously and still have problems, still suffer, and you can be as wicked as you want to be, and perhaps have good things happen to you in your life. And after pointing out that frustration and that injustice, he comes now to chapter 9 and just simply says, there's one great equalizer though. Everybody's going to die. Even as unfair as life may get and the despair that we might get and the frustrations of what we see go on in life, understand this. There is one great thing in this world that equalizes everybody. We're all going to die. And so be absolutely certain of that. And that's really what he's going on and talking about here in this beginning of chapter 9 is really to remind us that we should not forget that that is the ultimate reality. And if you're like me, I don't want to think about that. I don't live my life conscious of always, oh, well, you know, could die at any moment. Live today like it was your last day. You know, we've always have the, uh, the question of if you knew, if you could be told the exact date you would die, do you want to know? And some of us go, well, maybe, another, well, maybe I don't want to know. And we kind of go back and forth on that. Well, guess what? God just did it for you. You're going to die. <laughs> There's no avoiding it. Understand that's the reality. And we don't know when that's going to be. But there is one guarantee in life. We will certainly die. And so we must live our lives then understanding that that's the case. Now, that doesn't mean we live our lives all. Oh, 
What a horrible life. We're going to die soon. This is a... No, he's actually encouraging the opposite. He's saying because you know death is certain, you need to live your life to the fullest. You need to understand that your time is limited. You need to understand that the time is short. And because of that, you need to appreciate the day that you have now. You don't know when that time is going to come. You always get those reminders every once in a while when you get those near experiences driving. You go, whoo. <laughs> Saw that last night driving home. We had all of Okeechobee out near Royal Palm. The whole eastbound completely closed. Tramahawk. Cars all over the place. We, it took us almost half an hour to get back home. And, you, and it was that sad. I said, yeah, it, it reminds you. You don't know. You were just driving along, going to go do whatever you were going to do Saturday night, and that's the end. Live your life understanding. You don't have weeks and weeks and weeks. You don't know that. You don't know that you have months and months and months. I would like to think that I've got 65 more years ahead of me. Maybe not that. <laughs> that would be really pushing. <laughs> we like to think that we've got that time set. And this is when it's going to be. We're going to be able to be alive for a long, long time. Don't know that. If you don't know that, that's the one great equalizer is that there's the uncertainty of when, but the absolute certainty of it will happen. We're all going to die. You know, James reminded us of that when he made the just simple statement that, you know, what is your life? I, I love that kind of statement when he just says, you know, think about your life. What is your life? It's nothing but a little bit of a mist, a vapor, smoke. It just is there for a minute for a wisp, and then oh, it's gone. That's all your life is. Life is fragile, life is short. Understand that it's just merely a vapor. And then, so the point is not, again, not to be depressed, but to understand you need to enjoy life. That's what he says now in verse 7. Go, eat your bread with pleasure, and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has accepted your works. Now understand that he's not saying, so just throw everything away and throw caution to the wind. We've seen throughout Ecclesiastes that's not the point. The point that he's making is you need to enjoy your life while you can. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Enjoy the things that there are to appreciate in life. There's so much to enjoy. Enjoy what you've been given. And I would probably go and term it this way. For all the bad things that happen and all the negative things and the depressing things, don't waste your life on those things. Your life is too short. Enjoy the good things of life. Appreciate the good things in life. Experience the good things of life. Don't mope and be all about the negative and the depressing and the awful. We know it's all there. He's openly admitted it throughout this whole book about all the injustice and all the things that go on. But enjoy your life. Focus on the good and enjoy your life. And that's what he goes on in verse 8. Let your clothes be white all the time and never let your oil be lacking, let oil be lacking on your head. We've got to translate that for us. One, enjoy life, but you need to enjoy life with God. Keep your robes white. Okay, enjoy all there is out there in life, but keep purity in mind. This isn't the statement of, uh, let's just go out there and, and be wild and crazy. Let's just throw ourselves into every kind of lust and desire and pleasure. That's not what he's saying. He's saying there's a lot to enjoy in life. There's a lot to appreciate. But keep God in the picture here. Keep your robes white. Keep purity in mind. You need There's so much to enjoy in life, but understand, as he's going to be doing these conclusions with God, 
Life is far more enjoyable. And those are some of the conclusions that he's now beginning to draw for us. Notice the second point with it is, okay, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life with God. And then he says, and don't let oil be lacking on your head. Now, we really need a, need a translation for that to 21st century America. You all know how that would translate to us? Spend your money. Enjoy what you have. Spend your money. Enjoy it. No, like we talked about before, we've already done a lesson and a few weeks ago. Again, he's reminding us of some things. He's not saying go throw yourself into wild debt and all that. He's not saying that. But he's saying, since you know that death is certain, why would you hoard it? Since you know that the end is going to come, why do we squeeze so tightly the money as if we're taking it with us, as if it's going to do us any good once we die? Do your work. Enjoy your labor. Enjoy your life. Spend your money. Just enjoy life. That's all he's saying. Just enjoy those things. Don't let the oil be lacking on your head. When the oil runs out, go buy more oil. Put it back on your head. Enjoy it. That was a nice thing to have in those days. With the sun being on your head and all the heat of the desert, put the oil on your head. That's a nice refresher. Just say, enjoy the things of life. Enjoy those pleasures. Enjoy the goodness that life has to offer. There's nothing wrong with that. God never says that we have to be hermits in the hole or monks in the monastery or anything like that to avoid the pleasures of this world. Not so. Absolutely called to appreciate life. Enjoy life. Enjoy what God has laid before you. And keep God in the picture and live a life of purity. But enjoy your wealth. Enjoy the blessings that God has been able to stick upon you. Then verse 9. Enjoy life with your wife you love all the days of your fleeting life which have been given to you under the sun. All your fleeting days, for that is your portion in life and your struggle under the sun. Quite simply, you got a short life, death is certain, please enjoy your family. Appreciate your family and enjoy your family. These are very wise words in a society that casts all these things aside. In a society that sacrifices family sacrifices vacation time. I, always, I told you this a few years ago. I'm just stunned. We have a situation in our society now where Americans don't take the paid vacation that is actually given to them in their job every year. I am just blown away by that. What are we thinking? Take your vacation. Take your rest. Why would you not take the vacation that your employer is willingly giving you? Why would you sacrifice your family? Why would you give up on all those things just so you can work? Work is work. Work gives you no meaning of life. Work gives you no value. Work doesn't make you any better as a human being before God. Work is work. Enjoy your family. Appreciate them. Experience the time that you have with them. The time is short. And I think that's just so important of what he's bringing out. Understand your time is short. Live your life in purity before God's eyes. Spend your money. Enjoy the things that you have. Spend it on your family. Enjoy the time with your family because that time will be short. And then he points out a little bit more as he it concludes this with, for that is your portion in life and your struggle under the sun. Can I just word it this way, that these are the tasks that God has given you? An interesting summary, I think. These are really the tasks that God has given you. He has given you this life. You need to appreciate your life. Don't take it for granted. Don't think you have all the time in the world. Live your life pleasing to God in purity and in righteousness, uh, understanding that you need a life with God, appreciating your family, enjoying the blessings that you've been given, appreciating that everything that we've been given is from God himself. 
And so it's not mine. It's just simply loaned to me, and I'm going to enjoy what God has blessed me with. And that's all that he's really done. And I think these, this early chapter, these first ten verses of chapter 9, really is a very simple but good summary of the teachings that he has laid out for us throughout this book. He has tried to bring these ideas to mind about the shortness of time. He started to bring out to us the certainty of death, to appreciate what you have been given, to, yes, understand that there are problems and misery and difficulties in the world, but don't wallow your life in that. Instead, appreciate what you have. Enjoy what you have now. Stop wishing for something better. Stop looking for something else in life to come along that's going to make life better. Just be happy with your circumstances. Accept what you have now because you know full well it'll change tomorrow. And if you have goodness now, you know trouble's coming, and if you have trouble now, you know good times are coming. That's life. And that's all what Ecclesiastes is about. And that's what he's just summarizing those first ten verses there, is you just put it all back together and said, appreciate life, enjoy life, accept the circumstances you're in now, and live it, and love it. And that was all about. Now he adds something, some things here that I think that are interesting. How about verse 10? Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your strength, because there's no work, plenty, knowledge, or wisdom in Sheol where you're going. Now that, I think you said with a very funny face, you know. <laughs> uh, do whatever you're going to do, do it with all of your might, because where you're going, it won't matter. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of the way he, he led it out there. Is it, all the planning and work and knowledge isn't going to do you any good once you're dead, so when you have a short amount of time given to you, the decisions that you make and the activities that you engage in, do it with all of your might. Appreciate all that there is in it. Because that might be the end of it. So if you're at work, appreciate what work has to offer. If you're at school, appreciate what school has to offer. With family, all the things that we engage in in life, do it with all of your might. Don't do it uh, haphazardly. Don't do it half-heartedly. Do it with all of your might. Put that work in. Put in that effort and receive the, the enjoyment of what there is to offer. So life is short. Live life fully. Now watch verse 11. As this, I think, is really important. And this is probably, these next two verses are probably the most ignored and most needed in our society and in our religious world today. Watch what he says in verse 11. Again, I saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, or bread to the wise, or riches to the discerning, or favor to the skillful. Rather, time and chance happen to all of them. For man certainly does not know his time, like fish caught in a cruel net, or like birds caught in a trap. So people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls on them. This is an extremely important observation that we need to uh, kind of put into our understanding for today. Notice his observation. He says, you know what? The fastest person doesn't always win the race. Well, that's odd. The battle is not always won by the strongest. He says, you know, as wise as you may be, sometimes the bread doesn't go to you. Sometimes you don't have the wealth from that to the discerning. They don't always have the riches. And favor isn't always given to the skillful. What's going on? Why not? Read that phrase very carefully because time and chance happen to them all. There are other factors that go take place in life 
that need to be observed. And that's the rest of verse 12. A man doesn't know his time. The fish is caught in a cruel net. What happened? (laughs) Time and chance. (laughs) That's what happened to that poor fish. That fish was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that net got him right up. The birds caught in a trap. Wrong place. Wrong time. Unlucky for that bird. And And so people are trapped in an evil time as it suddenly falls upon them. That time and chance actually works against us in life. That we can have difficulties strike us down merely because of time and chance. Merely because we are in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think this is extremely important. Because we have a religious world and a society that if they have any godly inkling that will tell you these words. That God uh, causes everything to happen. And here the writer of Ecclesiastes says, no, he doesn't. We have a world that says everything happens for a reason. Oh, just watch enough TV of that and you will just see everything happens for a reason. Uh, I would tell you, the reality shows are just hilarious with that. Just, oh yeah, that's that's what happened. God had a reason for you being uh, thrown off an island or whatever. Uh, that's, That's it. No. There are things that happen in life that do not have a reason. And I think that is really important of what the writer is teaching us. There is such a thing as being at the right place at the right time. There is such a thing as being at the wrong place at the wrong time. As I was putting this lesson together, it worked out really well. Uh, My wife April calls me on the phone at, at Target and says, they've got... These great alarm clocks that you can put your iPod on and it will wake up and play music and all that stuff. And those things are usually expensive boogers. They're usually about $100. And she said, here they are sitting on clearance for $20. I'm like, oh, you've got to get me one of those. That's a great price. And all that. Did God, was God trying to tell me that I needed an alarm clock? And that's why that was sitting there for $20 so the neighbor would stumble upon it because, you know, your other alarm clock was getting kind of old and God made sure because everything happens for a reason. No. <laughs> I want to boil it down to something as absurd as that so you can see something. And if she had shown up 20 minutes later and those six were all gone and so they were now all missing, did that mean that God didn't want me to have an alarm clock? (coughs) Cruel God, I could have had an alarm clock for $20. Now I can't have my alarm clock. We can look at it at that level and see it. We can say, no, that doesn't make sense. That's just time and chance. You walked into the target at the right time. You hit the aisle at the right time. You got the sale at the right time. We understand it on that level, but then we change things when we get to bigger levels. Well, if I'm able to sell my house, that means God wants me to move. That's the same thing as walking into the target for an alarm clock. (laughs) It's the same thing. If you lower your price enough, I promise you, somebody will buy it. You just put your house on the market for $100, then God's giving you the opportunity to move, right? Uh, Careful. We put these constraints on God as if He's causing every little thing to happen in our life. Everything does not happen for a reason. Time and chance exists. And that is really important to learn that he's trying to teach us here that, in fact, there are so many life factors that go on. And and one of the things that is so disturbing to me about this and why I'm spending time on this is because I believe so many 
Christians or God-fearing people or people who even think there is a God lose that belief and lose that faith because of they have this foundation of that everything happens for a reason or God causes everything to happen. Because then your daughter dies of an awful disease. And you've got this foundation that everything happens for a reason. And I don't have a reason why that tragedy happened. Faith is lost. God causes everything to happen. Well, how do you explain all the evil that's going on in our society? How do you explain all the trauma that goes on in the world? How do you explain all the things that go on to innocent people? And God causes everything, and faith is lost. And an atheist is born. Because this is a false foundation. God does not cause everything to happen. Everything does not have a reason. Note those words, time and chance happen to all. All of us have other factors going on in this world that dictate what will happen to us. And time and chance is one of the biggest. Time and chance is a huge factor. I mean, you think about those kinds of accidents that you see on the road. How many times you've done the same thing like me? If I had left the house five minutes earlier, that would have been me. You see time and chance working right there. It happens all the time where we see those kinds of things unfold before us. If it had been me at the job at that time, that accident would have happened to me, but it happened to them. It just happened to be I was on my lunch break, or I was late, or I was early. Those things happen. And here is Solomon here pointing this out and saying, understand something. God has created a system in a world, and time and chance is fully functional in this world. And now I'm not denying that I think that God presents opportunities before us. I certainly believe that. I, that's how I got to this career. That's <laughs> because I certainly believe that. Uh, certain things worked in certain ways for my life. But understand that there's a big difference between opportunities in life and saying, well, because I got a flat tire, God didn't want me to go where I was going. Because I didn't get the pay raise, that means God doesn't like the job I'm at. Because I can sell my house, God wants me to move. Because I lost my job, God wants me to go to another place. You're putting things on God that time and chance easily dictate. I always like to use this analogy, what if, as we're getting ready for services... The child begins to start throwing up, and as I back the van out, I hit a, hit a nail and blow my tire. Is God telling me I don't, don't go to services? Time and chance. It's just time and chance. What would we call it? Bad luck. <laughs> it was a bad day. And sometimes it's a good day, and everything fits together just nice, and you hit all the lights green, and you like that old commercial, I remember seeing this lane is for Brent, and you just kind of make everywhere in life just so perfectly, and it's just wonderful, and you hit everything just right. Well, God's not looking at you any differently. You aren't a less a sinner that day, so God decided to turn all the lights green for you, but because you were early awful last night, now all the lights are red. There's other factors at work. Think about our environment. We are so directly impacted by family, by our friends. What people do around us have a direct impact on us. The choices that they make have a huge impact on our lives. 
The choices that my parents made had a huge impact on my life. The things that they taught you, the decisions that they made, if they stayed married, if they divorced, if they remarried, all of that had dramatic impact on you. That's not God doing anything to you. People made decisions, and that has bearing upon you. And when strangers make decisions, that has bearing upon you. Somebody you don't even know is out drinking one night and decides to get behind the wheel of a car and drive home. And you get in that accident. That's not God trying to be mean to you. That's time and chance happening to all. Somebody made a bad decision and you're at the wrong place at the wrong time. God didn't have a reason. God's not punishing you. Wrong place, wrong time. Time and chance happened to all. You know, we're even affected by our genetics. Does God hate me because I'm losing my hair? I mean, I'm really going to start blaming God here. God does not like the job I'm doing here because, man, I am just losing my hair like something else. I am just afraid of what I'm going to look like at 40. I'm going to have to go John Luke Picard Star Trek style. I'm just going to have a, this cue ball and that's it. That's just not going to be anything left. just going to shave it right down. God just must hate me. It's easy to look at that and go, well, of course not. But my daughter has a chromosomal disorder. Should I blame God for that? The small things we're able to realize that's not God, but when something very big happens, suddenly God gets the blame. Time and chance happened to all. Bad things happen. That's what life is all about. Family member gets stricken with cancer, difficulties, tragedies, sicknesses, illnesses. Prater Willie syndrome, one in 10,000 odds. Somebody's got to be the one. One in 10,000. Time and chance happened to all. God's not cursing me. God's not saying anything bad about me. Remember, that's exactly what Job's friends did wrong. Job's friends, that's exactly what they did wrong, is Job was suffering. Bad stuff happened. His kids died. He lost his house, lost his farm. Wife said, curse God and die. And the friend said, you must have done something wrong. We haven't learned the lesson. No, that doesn't mean anything. Job was righteous and God was with Job. Even though he was going through the worst possible disaster I think you could conjure up in human life. Time and chance. Satan, evil. And that's really the last one that's really important. Notice verse 18 uh, in your scriptures there. Chapter 9, verse 18, last sentence. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Okay, Wisdom is useful, but watch the rest. But one sinner can destroy much good. Don't forget that there's evil working all around us. Don't forget the influence that Satan has in this world. Don't forget the free choice that people have to afflict people, to oppress people, to sin. And that causes suffering. We look around the world and see all the problems of the world. You know, we've talked a lot about Zimbabwe and keeping them in our prayers for all the, the problems that those people have and the suffering that is going on in that country and the Christians who are greatly adversely affected by this. Is that God's fault? No. That's called evil. That's called a few people being extremely evil, oppressing, destroying, and hurting others. And imagine... I mean, I don't like that kind of concept, but honestly, would not the world be quite a bit different if every individual on the earth 
strive to do what God said. I submit to you, you would wipe out 75% of bad things in this world if everybody did what they're supposed to do. Don't forget Satan's involved. Don't forget time and chance are operating. And so he reminds us of that. Don't forget that, friends. When bad things happen, you have the bad day happen, don't put that on God. He's not responsible for that. That's what society, that's what this world is about. This is the system that we're in. Good days come, bad days come. Don't let those things be a reflection in your mind about your state before God. You could be going through the worst trial of life. And that doesn't mean you're out of God's favor. And friends, you could be enjoying all the good blessings that there is in this world, and that doesn't mean you're saved. It just doesn't work that way. Time and chance happen to all. There's far other factors going on in this world. Let's get to the final paragraph of this chapter, verse 13. I have observed that this also is wisdom under the sun, and it is significant to me. There was a small city with few men in it. A great king came against it, surrounded it, and built large siege works against it. Now a poor wise man was found in the city, and he delivered the city by his wisdom. Yet no one remembered that poor man. And I said, wisdom is better than strength, but the wisdom of the poor man is despised, and his words are not heeded. This is a neat little story that the teacher gives us. Here is this strong person who comes up against the city. He's going to win the battle. And here is this poor, obscure man that nobody cares about. And yet he's got the wisdom to save the day. Does anybody throw him a ticker tape parade for saving the city? Nope. Does anybody care? Nope. And so this is interesting because the teaching is live wise. It's good. It'll help you in life. It'll make your way smoother in life. Live wise, but don't expect people to listen or understand. Live with godly wisdom, but don't expect people to get it. (laughs) Don't expect people to understand what you're doing, the decisions you're making in life. Don't expect them to understand all that. The world does not recognize what godly wisdom looks like. It's funny to be in the stage that we're in right now with our kids. Because I tell you, all the friends that we have in the world, they think we're quite quite odd and quite unusual about our disciplinary tactics to our kids. Yet we're able to go to a restaurant and not drive everybody else out of the restaurant. (laughs) There's godly wisdom in doing things the way God says. Everybody else, oh, they think we're strange, yet they're stuck at home. They can't go anywhere because their kids peel paint. Because they scream so loud. Hmm. I wonder what's going on with that. It's a strange thing. You'll see that in your life. If you use godly wisdom, you will see others around you going, now that's just strange with the choices you're making. Here's Solomon just saying, don't worry about that. Don't change course just because that's not common knowledge. Don't veer away from godly wisdom because the world says that's not right. Don't do that. Do what God says anyway. They're going to look at you and not understand. You can explain to them all you want to about why this works. I like to sit back and go, well, look, wouldn't you like to have your kids sit quietly? Wouldn't that be nice? You know, They're not going to listen. They don't care. They don't want godly wisdom. You see the poor man who's got the godly wisdom telling him what to do? What does it say? They despised him. They didn't care. It's the way it is. That's exactly the way it is in this world, is that we will strive to do what God wants us to do, 
But understand the world is not going to care. And so the point I think he's also making is that then the life that's guided by godly wisdom is far better than the life guided by worldliness. It's, it's far improved. You go down the life of worldliness, and where does that get you? That's telling you to sacrifice your family, get all the money you can have, hoard it to yourself, and uh, think you're going to live a real long time. And Solomon just overthrew all that and said, you better live life today like it's your last day. Enjoy what you have, appreciate your family, understand you're going to stand before God at any moment. Live with godly wisdom. New Testament told us that too. 1 Peter 4, verse 3. And speaking about uh, the heathen there, the pagans, he says, therefore, there, it says, there's already been enough time spent in doing the will of the pagans, carrying on an unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, lawless idolatry. In regard to this, they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they slander you. The world's going to be surprised the way you live your life. If you make godly choices and invoke godly wisdom, people are going to look at you funny, and they're not only going to look at you funny, they're going to say bad things about you while you do it. Oh, those people are crazy across the street. I can't believe they do those kinds of things. I don't know, how in the world could they be going to church as much as they do? I, I, no neighbor's going to think that as many times we back out of the driveway with me and my tie on and all that. Those crazy people going to church again. Oh, I can't, what, you know, you need to let your kids express yourself themselves. You know, they're, they're, they're like art sculptures that need to be uh, expressing themselves and letting them enjoy life. God says, uh, use the rod. <laughs> Discipline them in the way of the Lord. Teach them what's right. So they'll be useful in society and useful to God. If they don't respect your authority, they're not going to respect law enforcement, nor will they respect God. Understand. See, worldly wisdom thinks it's so smart. You have to understand you're going to be the weird one. In fact, I like how the New King James reads this. They think it's strange. <laughs> That's about it. They're going to think you're going to do things a little differently. That's okay. Let them slander you. You've learned the wise way. You've learned the right path. And so here is the teacher saying, continue on the wise course. Invoke the wisdom that you know that is right. Do the things that God has said. So, three things to take home with you. Remember, death comes at any moment. Enjoy life while you can. Take advantage of your life now. Understand at any moment you could be standing before God and being held accountable for the things that you've done in the flesh. Understand that that moment could come at any, any time. Understand that time and chance happen to all. If there is nothing that I've gotten through to you today, please, please, please take that one. Time and chance. Time and chance. Bad things happen because bad things happen. Wrong place, wrong time. Bad odds. What other people do, that's evil. Genetics, environment, it's all in there. Sinners, that all affects our lives. That's not God trying to send you secret messages. That's just simply life. Finally, live wise. Live a godly life and understand that the world's going to scorn you for it. But you will live the better life. You will have a wise life. You will have a happier life. You will have a satisfied life if you live a life that follows after God. 